I am Pastor Corrine Boroff, Senior Pastor at Anderson First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to our worship service today. If you want to learn more about this church, visit our website at andersonfirst.org. Have a blessed day and enjoy the message. Let us stand for the reading of our gospel lesson from the Gospel of Luke. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. This is God's word for God's people today. Thanks be to God. It has been said that summer is a rehearsal for paradise. I like that definition. But summer represents different words to us, different feelings, and we can associate rest and play and vacation and reunion. We can have joy, experience joy with summertime and light. So we have these things also associated with summer, Those are also kingdom experiences that we have. 
You have in your bulletin this morning a kind of a fun thing, but there's a purpose to that. It's called a summertime bucket list. Now, those of you who have any way associated with schools have a very short amount of summer left. <laughs> schools starting back after just at the end of this month for some. But on that bucket list, you could list those things that you would like to accomplish in those last few weeks. For most of us, we still have August and moving on into September to experience some of the summertime activities that we could have. Or your bucket list could include those things that you want to do in a summertime in the future. Why would you do that? Why bother at all? There you go. That or <laughs> because we have indecision in our life. I don't know if you have ever fallen prey to this, but it used to be in our family, we'd have a moment of free time, kind of this unexpected, unplanned time to be together, and it's what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? And it go around family, the five of us. Well, after we'd wasted a whole lot of amount of time doing that, it was finally meal time, so we decided to go to a meal. Where do you want to go? I don't care where we go. Where do you want to go? I don't care where we go. Sound familiar? It was also, well, driver gets to choose, no, I'm driving. I'm just going to keep driving until somebody picks, right? Have heard that? A bucket list can help you to be ready so that you don't waste time trying to figure it out. You can just decide from what you know you want to do. Those things that you have thought about, you are ready, you are prepared. Now there is also a group of folks, probably some among us, who just as soon be undecided. This living in indecision. I heard of a gal, her name was Madison Powell. She's now 48 years old. She is undecided throughout her life. She can remember as a child sitting down and trying to decide for breakfast if she wanted Cheerios or Raisin Bran and just could not decide back and forth. She said the whole time I was eating Cheerios, she would think, did I really want Raisin Bran? I just wanted Raisin Bran instead just lived with this indecision and undeciding it affected her date life. She said when she would be invited out on a date and that was oftentimes out to eat, it would take her 30 to 40 minutes to figure out what to order off the menu. Her dates were not repeats. <laughs> it also affected her professional life. It started with early in the morning. She could not figure out what clothes to put on. And so she was late to work constantly. She decided that she was going to live a life of indecision, that that was okay. She thought, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> was kind of the end of her story. And so... What that tells us is life is going to happen whether we participate in the decisions of it or not. It's going to go on. The kingdom of God is going to come whether we choose to participate in it or not. 
You see, these are the kinds of choices, the kinds of things that we can decide on. In the kingdom of God, our decision or our indecision helps determine how we spend time in the kingdom of God. I had a college friend. He was actually my brother's roommate. We did a lot of social activities together at Ball State University, my brother and I, his friends, my friends. One of his friends named Kurt, he just really stood out to me because whenever the conversation came around to religion, Kurt was just would make himself scarce. And one day he stuck around long enough for his, us to ask. He goes, oh, I believe in God, but I'm not going to worry about it now. I'm going to decide about things later on. And the question that was asked was, when do you know it's time? When do you know that that's time to take religion, to take Jesus Christ seriously? And you see, that's the very question that the disciples were asking Jesus. Jesus, when is it going to be time for these things that you have said to happen? How are we supposed to know that? And in our scripture this morning, we have a passage where Jesus and his disciples, if we read, and I didn't include it all because a lot of us get really stuck on these predictions of Jesus Christ. And I didn't want us to get stuck there. But Jesus and his disciples were in Jerusalem, and they had been at the temple And they were leaving Jerusalem, and when you leave Jerusalem out of the gate toward the Mount of Olives, you go through the gate. It's a walled city. You go through the gate. You go down the Kidron Valley. You go up the Mount of Olives. And it was about that time they'd been walking for a little ways. And when you're there on the Mount of Olives, you can look back and see Jerusalem. And you could see the temple. And as they were walking along, the disciples were talking about, isn't that a beautiful temple? Look how gorgeous that is. And in fact, the temple that they were talking about was the reconstruction. It wasn't the original temple. It wasn't the one that Solomon, the son of David, had built in the Old Testament. This indeed was the second temple that was built there. And Herod the Great was the one that had built it. And he built it from 19 B.C., before Christ it had started. And it went, construction on that went clear to 64 A.D. Took a long time to finish that. And unfortunately, then that temple was destroyed just a few years later at 70 A.D. But the temple that they were looking at, there were on some of the walls of the temple, it was gold-plated. So it was positioned, those gold plates, so that when the sun shone, it just would blind the people with the light, reminding them that God is the light. And the other walls of the temple had, a lot of them were white marble, So it had pretty much the same effect, this kind of shimmering blast of light 
when you would look at the temple. And it was magnificently built. You see, we learned from Josephus, he was a Jewish writer, not in the Bible. He wrote other texts, some historical texts. He wrote about this temple and how amazing and glorious it was. You see, it was the most unique and glorious building in all of civilization at that time. It was talked about all over the known world. And Josephus gives us an account of how big the blocks of marble and stone were. And he gives it in cubits, and when we translate that, it's 67 and a half feet in breadth, the stones. They were seven and a half feet tall and nine feet wide. Those were the stones. And you see, Jesus' comment to them about how beautiful the temple was was quite a shocking response because he said to them, that temple will be destroyed and no stone will be left on another. Think about how big those stones were. Who's going to go up and push those over, right? That's what the disciples are thinking. Nah, Jesus, come on. What literally happened in 70 A.D. was that the Romans took fire and they put fire into the places, the wedges where the mortar was. And they lit all of that on fire and the heat from the fire cracked the stones and they crumbled. And so indeed, those huge stones were destroyed and broken apart disciples didn't know this Jesus was predicting the destruction of this magnificent building and they wanted to know how is this going to happen when is this going to happen Jesus what can we watch for and he gave them some signs to look for that this was be a time And he said, you will see the signs and know just as you see the leaves come out on the trees and know that it's summertime. And so he correlated that with summertime, with having the signs. The most interesting thing about Jesus' text here in Luke is that Jesus is prophesying something to come. He did that occasionally. He prophesied his own death and talked to that about the disciples. But here he's talking about the destruction of the temple and more. He's talking also about the coming of the kingdom of God. So scholars have a heyday with this passage. Because Jesus not only was predicting something then and there, but something that would be a long time yet to come. And the disciples wanted to have this roadmap. They wanted to have this direction on what they could watch for. And that's what Jesus gave them. But for us... Why 
is this time of the kingdom of God coming important for us? Well, one piece of that, one of the most important pieces, is that it was important to Jesus. It was one of the most preached about, talked about pieces in Jesus' teaching was this kingdom of God. We know it also as heaven and heaven on earth. We know it as caught up in all the language of the rapture, that all that is a part of this conversation and talk. And we get that mainly from Revelation. But that's what's connected to it for us today. And the reason that it was so important in Scripture we hear about Jesus being connected to this kingdom of God, you see, in Mark 1, we hear that Jesus ushers in the kingdom of God. That's when he was born. The kingdom of God was here among us when Jesus was born on that Christmas morning. We also hear that Jesus is the kingdom of God. In Luke 17, we hear the kingdom of God is in your midst, is what he taught. We call Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the ruler of this kingdom of God. He was also the perfect citizen of the kingdom of God. Hence we have the divine in Jesus and the human in Jesus. He was both. And then we also hear in Luke, beginning with chapter 8, that Jesus came, his purpose was to proclaim and bring about the kingdom of God. And you may think, well, Jesus left, so maybe the kingdom of God left with him. No, Jesus sent himself in the Holy Spirit to dwell among us even yet today. The kingdom of God is still with us on earth as it is in heaven. It's still here. And so we have other examples. Matthew 13, if you're interested in learning about the kingdom of God, Matthew 13 is just chock full with examples that Jesus gives in his preaching and teaching of what the kingdom of God is like. He says it's like a treasure that's buried in a field and found and discovered. It's like a pearl of great price that someone will pay everything that they own to receive it. It's like yeast. It's like a mustard seed. It's like a net. Those are examples that Jesus gave of the kingdom of God. That's what the kingdom of God is like. So we're kind of still like the disciples. Come on, Jesus, how are we supposed to know about this coming of the kingdom of God so that we can be ready. You know, we, we don't want to miss out on this, right? 
So much so, and I checked it this morning. I get tickled with it. There's something called a rapture index. You've heard of this? <laughs> Some of you may have. A rapture index. It's, it's a, by a Christian evangelical group that spends a lot of time being very concerned about this coming of the kingdom of God, this kind of time of rapture is going to come. And they predicted, and our score currently is 183. Now that may not say much to you, but let me just put that in context. In 1996, our score was 148, and when it got to 150, the rapture was going to happen. We were so close. Well, our score has been, and I only looked back five years, but for the past five years it's been over 180. We're way beyond the rapture, folks, <laughs> according to this index, but they just keep upping the number. <laughs> well, no, maybe it needs to be this number. And so uh, you can take a look. The other thing I thought was interesting about the rapture index it's updated currently, I checked this morning, it's updated currently Monday, July 15th. <laughs> Evidently, they don't worry about the rapture over the weekend. <laughs> so we got you covered for Monday. <laughs> but we are concerned. I mean, those things that Jesus told his disciples... For instance, natural disasters. There was just a 7.1 earthquake in California over July 4th, and it lasted until July 5th. The real problem with earthquakes is that they're not a single event. The aftershocks continue. In 1958, there was an earthquake in Yellowstone National Park, a 7.2 on the Richter scale. And it was not until 2017 and 18, there's a month span uh, from a June to March, 3,000 aftershocks 60 years later from that 7.2 magnitude earthquake, all in Yellowstone National Park. And so an earthquake is something that just keeps right on giving, <laughs> just continues on and on. But natural disasters were one of those things that Jesus named. Wars was another thing. Cosmic events were another explanation, another thing that he says was when the people of God turn away from God. Those would be signs when there were false prophets preaching and teaching falsehoods, it would be time to usher in the kingdom of God. So what are we to do? Are we to just keep score with that uh, rapture index and just keep count and worry about this and make sure everything's checked off? Well, let me suggest something. Jesus used the image of summertime for a reason. When he was talking about, you see, these things will happen like the trees bearing leaves in summertime. God provides for and completes the summer. 
God is the one in control of that. God knows when the summer is to begin and when the summer will end. When the fruitfulness of summer is over, summer ceases to be. God provides in all the fullness and all the joy and all the vitality and all the light, all those things that are associated with summer are from our God. So too is the coming of the kingdom of God. God will provide that for us. All we have to do is be ready to receive it. To receive that gift from our God. The kingdom of God. But we need to be ready in order to receive it. I might suggest to you that you give yourself another assignment, another bucket list, and call it your kingdom bucket list. Those things that you want to make sure that you include in your life so that you are ready and will be able to have eyes to see when the kingdom of God is in our midst and not miss out so that you know what needs to change in your life, what blinders to take off so that you are prepared. Because for us, summertime will end and the kingdom of God will come. Be ready. Amen.